This morning's scripture reading will be read from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. To the general assembly of the church, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. As always, if you are visiting, we do count you as an honored guest. We encourage you to consider the work here at Olive Branch. We would love to have you come, work, worship, and serve with us in this community. And we are grateful for the great opportunities before us, and we believe that the fields are truly white under harvest. And what we need our laborers. And so we encourage you to give consideration to the work here. We're going to be looking today at the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. And specifically, we want to note verse 23, the passage that Isaiah read a moment ago. And the theme of our study this morning, the register of the redeemed. I want us to think for just a few moments about this divine register that we read about in the Bible. And we're really talking about the book of life. One of the things that is characteristic of those of us who live in this country is that there is a record, a registry, if you please, of the fact that we are citizens in this country. And one of the reasons that we know that is because we are to pay taxes every year. They have a record of that. They have a record of our presence in this country. Well, today we want to talk about the register of the redeemed, the book of life. We begin by, first of all, noting a definition of the book of life. And really what we want to ask here is simply this. What is the book of life? Let me just read for you a statement that I found in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia. Here's what they say. The phrase is derived from the custom of the ancients of keeping genealogical records. For example, in Nehemiah chapter 7 at verse 5, and enrolling citizens for various purposes, Jeremiah chapter 22 at verse 30. So God is represented as having a record of all who are under his special care and guardianship. Now, with that definition in mind, I want us to now think for just a moment of the distinction of being in the book of life. And with this idea, I want to ask the question, who is in the book of life? Now, the book of life is simply that divine register that is a record of the redeemed, those who have been reconciled unto God. And so we ask the question today, Who is in the book of life? More importantly, are you in 
the book of life. I would submit unto you that those who are in the book of life are those who are said to be saved. Now we understand that the saved are in Christ Jesus. We're talking about the person who saves. It was said of Jesus before he was born into this world that he came or he would come to save his people from their sins in Matthew 1 at verse 21. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19 at verse 10. In Ephesians 1 at verse 7, Paul said, In him we have redemption. That is, in Jesus Christ we have redemption. We are reconciled to God through the work of Christ on Calvary's cross. And so there is the idea born out in the scriptures of the person of salvation. But now, another thought, the place of salvation. Where are we saved? The Bible says that we are saved in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 10, Paul said, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may obtain salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So according to the scriptures, salvation is in Christ Jesus. Well, here's a question we might pose. How then does a person get into Jesus Christ? The Bible says you are all sons of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3 verse 26 The idea is that through that system of faith, we become God's children. And so in Galatians 3 verse 27, Paul said, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So we are baptized into Jesus Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, we enjoy the forgiveness or the remission of our sins based on what Peter said on Pentecost Day in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. In other words, we enjoy the washing away of our sins, Acts 22, verse 16. So salvation is in Christ Jesus. That's right. Well, not only is salvation in Christ, but salvation is in the church of Christ. How do I know that? Well, the church is simply that blood-bought body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul said, Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Jesus purchased the church with his blood. Well, what then is the correlation between my salvation in Christ and the church of Christ? The Bible says in John chapter 3 at verse 3, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews in the first century. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. 
And so we ask the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus responded by saying, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he said, Marvel not, you must be born again. So when we are born again, what happens? We enter the kingdom of God. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at verse 13, Paul said, by one spirit were you all baptized into one body. What is the one body? He is the head of the body of the church, Colossians 1.18. Somebody might ask the question, well, how many bodies are there? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 at verse 4, there is one body and one hope, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. So there is one body. That's right. That's what the Lord said. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 1 verse 23, Paul said he put all things in subjection under his feet, made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So the church equates to the body of Christ. When a person is baptized into Christ, he or she is then baptized into the church of Christ. That is the body of Christ. How many bodies are there? The Bible says there is one body, Ephesians 4, verse 4. So when we are in Christ, we are in the church of Christ. Well, why be in the church of Christ? Because the Bible says in Ephesians 5, verse 23, he is the savior of the body. If you're not in the body of Christ, you're not in the church of Christ. If you're not in the church of Christ, you're not in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, then you're not saved. Now, that's what the Bible teaches. And so when we ask the question, who is in the book of life? Well, the book of life is comprised of the saved. That is, those who have responded in obedience to the teaching of the gospel of Christ. Now let's go one step further. The saved are those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he wrote to the church of God which is at Corinth to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. So those who are in Christ and in the church of Christ, they are sanctified. That is, they have been set apart. From what? From the world. Unto whom? Unto God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 at verse 9, Peter said, You are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. He said, A people for God's own possession, whom he has called forth out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so those who have obeyed the gospel, they are said to be sanctified or set apart unto God. What then is the significance of being set apart unto Jehovah God? Well, let's look at Ephesians, or rather, let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 at verse 23. In verse 23, here's what the Bible says. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now, in the first part of verse 23, the Hebrew writer speaks of the church of the firstborn. 
If you go back to the Old Testament and if you, if you read in the Old Testament very much, you'll notice that there are types and antitypes. The Old Testament is simply pointing to the coming of the Christian dispensation. The New Testament is an affirmation that the Christ has come. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Now in the book of Exodus chapter 12, you read about the Passover, the institution of the Passover. And how the Israelite people were instructed to take a blood, take the blood of a lamb and to place that blood on the doorpost or the lintel post, the side post of the door. If they did that when the destroying angel swept through the night, their firstborn would be spared. If they did not do that, their firstborn would die. Now in chapter 13, here's what God said to ancient Israel in the long ago. He said, sanctify unto me the firstborn. What then is the significance of the firstborn? In that same verse, he said, sanctify unto me the firstborn, for it is mine. The firstborn then belongs to God. Now what then did the Hebrew writer say? To the general assembly and church of the firstborn. What is God saying here? He's saying that those who are in the church, they are mine. They belong to me. If you're in the church of Christ, you belong to the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19, Paul said, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Those who have been sanctified in Christ, they have been set apart. And God is saying they are mine. They belong to me. And because we belong to God, look at what the Hebrew writer said. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. If you are in the church of our Lord, if you've been baptized into Christ, if the blood of Christ is availing in your life, your name is recorded in that divine register in heaven. You belong to the Lord. And as Paul said, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And thus the exhortation is to glorify God in, your, in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. Now here's another question. We've identified the saved. The saved are the sanctified. The saved are saints of the Most High God. We ask the question, who is in the book of life? Well, the saved are those who have been redeemed, those who are reconciled. What then is the state of those in the book of life? Well, the Bible says that those of us who are a part of the church... That we are a part of the firstborn and our names are registered or written in heaven. Now in Luke chapter 10 at verse 20, Jesus said, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Now you want to talk about something that should bring joy to the hearts of those of us who belong to God. We should be overflowing with gratitude and happiness because our names are recorded in heaven. We belong to the Lord. And because we belong to the Lord, we have his kind providential care availing in our lives. But then also, what about the fate of those whose names are recorded in the book of life? What will be their state, their end? In Revelation chapter 20, in verse 11, John said that he saw a great white throne. In verse 12, he said, I saw the dead, the small and the great, standing before God. The picture is that of the judgment. And on that great and glorious day painted by John in the Revelation, he said the dead were judged out of the things which were written in the books. But he said prior to that, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now those of us who are saved, those of us who are redeemed, who have been reconciled to God, when we stand before him on that great and final day, we know that the books are going to be opened. That is, the word of God is going to be opened. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. I would ask you today, do you know the Bible? Do you understand the significance of the word of God in your life? You need to know this book, because this is the book that will one day judge you on that final day. Paul said, we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. In Romans 2 at verse 2. Jesus said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. So we're talking about the truth of Jehovah God. And this book is going to judge us on that last day. Now, John said the books were opened. But he said there was another book which was opened. And he said that book is the book of life. Now in chapter 21... John said he saw the new Jerusalem, that heavenly city, descending from God out of heaven. He talked about the beauty of that heavenly city. And he said that in that heavenly city, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more sorrow. In verse 27, those who inherit this heavenly city... He said, we'll be comprised of those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So in order for us to enjoy the blessings of heaven, we have to make sure that our names have been recorded in the book of life. So what is the fate of those whose names are in the book of life? Heaven. There is a reward for the righteous. Jesus said, Come, you blessed. Enter the joy prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Peter talked about how heaven is that divine city 
which is incorruptible, undefiled. He said it fades not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Now, here's a third thing that we need to note. We've looked at the distinction of those who are in the book of life. But what about the doom to those whose names are not in the book of life? Let's ask this question. We posed the question a moment ago. Who is in the book of life? I think it's only fair to ask the question, who is not in the book of life? You see, we need to make absolutely certain we understand who is in and who is not in the book of life. The book of life consists of the redeemed, those who have been reconciled to God. Those, however, who are not in the book of life are those who, first of all, resist the truth. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, we read of Stephen, and Stephen became a martyr in the church. The Bible tells us in chapter 8, verse 1, that Saul consented unto his death. But Stephen indicted many of the Jewish people in his day because he said, you do always resist the Holy Spirit. There are some people who resist the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That is, they resist the revelation that the Holy Spirit has given unto us through the Bible. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, there are a lot of people, they hear the gospel. They know what the Bible teaches concerning the plan of salvation. They have, they have investigated and they have come to an understanding that God in his infinite love sent his son to die for them on Calvary's cross. But for whatever reason, they have simply chosen to resist the teaching of the Bible. I think about people that sometimes are present regularly to the services or in the services of the church. And they hear the gospel plan of salvation each and every time the doors are open. But for some reason or another, they simply refuse to obey the gospel. I had an individual make the statement. As a matter of fact, this statement was made Wednesday night in our Bible study. Some of you know John Shannon, and John Shannon is the preacher for the James Road Church of Christ in Memphis, Tennessee. And John has been preaching for many, many years. But John had the opportunity to listen to a tape by a gospel preacher about the church and Christ. He said he listened to that tape every day for two years. At some point in time, John became convicted after researching and studying and investigating. He became convicted of the truth of God. And Billy Sasser said Wednesday night that he finally asked John, John, when are you going to obey what you've been preaching to others for two years? Now, sometimes we know the truth, we believe the truth, but we won't obey the truth. In order for us to appropriate the blessings of salvation and have our names entered into that heavenly registry, we have to obey the gospel. 
We have to put into practice what we believe the truth says. Some resist the truth. Some just forthrightly reject the truth. In Acts chapter 13, we read of Paul and Barnabas. And they said to the Jews of their day, Seeing that you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Do you remember what Jesus said in John 12, verse 48? He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words. There are some people, they know what the truth of God teaches. They know what the Bible teaches, but they will just reject it. They just say, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to do it. And so there are some who resist the truth. There are some who reject the truth. And there are some who renounce or recant the truth. There are some who never obey the gospel. They never enjoy the blessings of the blood of Christ availing in their lives. But there are some that have been baptized into Jesus Christ and they have gone back into the world. They have recounted, or rather recanted, the faith that they once believed. They have renounced the truth of Jehovah God. Peter pictures those in 2 Peter chapter 2 who at one time, he said, escaped the corruptions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But he said they become entangled once again in the affairs of the world. And he said the latter state for them is worse than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. It has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to wallowing in the mire. Peter speaks of those in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 15 who have forsaken the right way. I know there are people in the Lord's church that are unfaithful. They've gone back into the world. They make no pretenses about the fact that they are not living right in the eyes of God. My question is, When would you come home? When will you choose to come home? You see, your name can be removed from the book of life. It can be entered, but it can also be omitted or removed. In Revelation chapter 3 at verse 5, Jesus pictures those who overcome. He said, Their names will not be removed from the book of life. But if you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, if you're not living for God day in and day out, if the blood of Jesus is not availing in your life, your name has been removed from that divine register. So what then is the fate of those whose names are not written in the book of life? In Revelation chapter 20, When John the Apostle pictures that final day of judgment, he said that those whose names are not written in the book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. And he said, this is the second death. 
Those whose names are in the book of life, they have the hope of heaven. Those whose names are not written in the book of life, they had before them the hell of fire, Gehenna. It is called the second death. It is a place where people live and never die and die and never live. Sometimes we sing the song about the book of life. We sing about how our name is written in the book of life. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. We sing that, do we not? Now I want to close by asking this question. When the roll is called up yonder, will you be there? When we sing that song, can you honestly and candidly say, I'll be there? If not, our simple plea to you, come to Christ. There is no reason for any person to leave this assembly outside the bonds of spiritual safety. If your name is not in the book of life, I can assure you that before you leave here today, your name can be recorded in that heavenly register. What do you need to do? You need to believe Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of every sin, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and God will add you to the church, and he will write your name in that heavenly register. If you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, you know your name is not there. And you know that you can sing that song when the roll is called up yonder. You know in singing that song that you can't echo the words, I'll be there. But you could sing that song with conviction and meaning because you could repent. You could come home to the Lord this very hour. I would not pillow my head this evening or this afternoon without making sure that my name is in the book of life. Would you come as we stand and sing?